Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It's our second episode of the week here on this Wednesday, and it's a very exciting one because the Bucks had day of their joint practices. Miami Dolphins, one of the teams that they share the state of Florida with, and there is a ton to get into. A lot of good a little bit of scary stuff and just overall analysis of how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looked against the Miami Dolphins. Some good on good, some backups getting opportunities. We're going to break it all down. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place, SR Scott Reynolds, also at PeterReport.com. And our fellow colleague from PeterReport.com, still able to make it to this podcast despite the fact of his sadness that his fellow UCF Knight, Rashad Perryman, cannot practice. Yeah. Bailey Adams still makes it to the podcast today. Scott, Bailey, how you guys doing? This was one very fun practice from start to finish. It was fun. It was also hot. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I needed an IV after this practice, and I know Robert Hainsey did. It was certainly scary. I witnessed him go down and – ran inside into the story because he was hunched over and had two trainers helping him into the cart. And you didn't know if it was just cramps. My initial thought was cramps because the bucks typically practice at eight 30 in the morning with the joint yeah. practice. They started practice at 10. That's about what time they're wrapping up 10 30, 10 45 or so. So they, uh, they, they, Wrapped up around what noon, twelve thirty today, something like that. So it was it was a hot practice, and Robert Hainsey did have severe cramps, but the way he was walking, you didn't know if it was the lower back, if it was if it was a leg injury, whatever. But thankfully, Robert Hainsey just needed an IV and crisis averted. He was actually walking around after practice, and uh, I was looking for an IV, couldn't find one though. But uh, but I did find it, so that's good. A collective sigh of relief from everyone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no and Scott, as you mentioned, the Peter Report podcast, of course, is energized by Celsius. And the beauty of Celsius and why we love them is the variety of drinks that they have. I'm rocking the uh, sparkling orange right now. There's also the strawberry kiwi guava, strawberry lemonade, sparkling watermelon. And of course, there's all the vibes. The vibes are very, very high on this podcast. The vibes are very high. When it comes to Celsius, you Arctic vibe, tropical vibe, and peach vibe. I've been crushing Arctic vibes lately. It tastes yeah. like you're having a slushy. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. But the other great things that Celsius brings uh, with their energy drinks one, you have seven essential vitamins. Two, gives you the energy you need to get through the day, whether it's a way, workout, whatever you got going on. And there's no post energy drink crash or jitters that you get with some other energy drinks. It keeps you going, keeps you moving throughout the day. And uh, make sure you click on the store locator at Celsius' website. Uh, see where you can get it, Celsius. The beauty of it is that uh, they're all over the place now, thankfully. And you could also order them in bulk on Amazon.com if you want to do that. You could set it up every two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want it to be. Just make sure you're ordering a Celsius because they are delicious. They are fantastic. And they're the energy drink out because it gets you through your day. So. Again, check out Celsius, the website, and uh, store locator. Find out where you can go and pick it up. Now, we talked about the injury to Robert Hainsey. Thankfully, 
Looks like he's going to be okay there, Scott, as you just talked about. But there was actually an injury earlier on in practice that, you know, again, is something that we have to monitor and obviously causes some concern. That was Russell Gage pulling up a little bit early. It looked like he had a hamstring injury. Bailey, I know you saw it uh, pretty up close and personal. What did you see there? Yeah, it was uh, during one-on-ones, the receivers and uh, Dolphins cornerbacks. Um, and, you know, it was, a, it was a lively period and just Gage took off off the line and kind of just came up, pulled up and immediately grabbed his leg. And yeah, it looked like he was holding kind of the hamstring area, which, you know, the Bucks receivers and their hamstring issues over the years, yeah. it's just become kind of a commonality um, between all of them. But yeah, I didn't see too much. I mean, he kind of walked over, was kind of hunched over holding his hamstring. Some of the trainers came over and um, eventually, you know, let, let, let him off the field. And he didn't return. So that's obviously something they definitely need to monitor, especially with Mike Evans right now dealing with uh, his annual hamstring issue during camp. Um, you know, I think he's on his way back. We saw him running a little bit during or before yesterday's practice. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you hope you have to hope it's one of those minimal min- time. One of those things where he misses minimal time, because for all this talk of bringing Chris Godwin back along slowly, it's you know, but you can do that because you have Evans, you have Gage, you have, um, you have Evans, you have Gage, you have Julio Jones, and if two of those guys are hurt, it's suddenly like okay, well now who's next? So it's one of those things we have to monitor. Yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with conditioning. I, I, right. It, it you're right. Mike Evans has an annual hamstring strain. It just yeah. alters to it. It's it's incredibly hot and humid and. These type of injuries uh, can be a result of, of dehydration. And, and it's not like the players aren't hydrating. It's just that some guys just lose more water weight during practice than others. And Mike Evans is one of those guys that's susceptible to having hamstring issues in the month of August, more so than any other month. And and I think that's probably what happened to Russell Gage today. It, it looked like as he was walking off the field, it was a tweak rather than a full-blown pulled hamstring and we'll see the severity of it as the week goes on don't expect him to, to see any time in this game but it does look like robert hansey will be there and that's important because this team really wants to get a look at nick leverett at left guard not center so much i think leverett's going to play probably the whole game he'll play some at left guard as he started today at the left guard position that's been a carousel and I would imagine in the second half, you'll see some Nick Leverett at center. And then John Mulchin will finish up uh, the second half of the center position. So they're down to three centers, but it was a little touch and go with Hainsey because they'd be down to two if Hainsey had some sort of an injury. Yeah, and, and that's the difficult part, too, is we've talked a lot about on this show that, sure, you, like, you never want anyone to get injured in the first place. But two, the Bucks really have to find out if Hainsey is going to be their guy for the season. And you can't wait until like by the end of the third preseason game to be like, oh, I think we need to go in a different direction. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Robert Hainsey, but you have to decide sooner rather than later. The fact that Hainsey, for at least a little bit of practice or before we got the the further news, the update, it was like, oh, wow, he's not playing in that preseason game. The Bucs already had to reshuffle the deck. They're going to have to reshuffle the deck one more time. And I remember... Because I, I was looking at, uh, you know, other parts of, uh, of, the, of the practice and things going on like that. So I did not see the Russell Gage injury live. I didn't see the Hainsey injury live either. Yeah. And I 
I remember seeing Brady out there with John Mulshaw. I was like, huh, that's interesting. I guess Brady right. is, you know, just getting work with, uh, you know, one of the backups or because whatever. They're mixing Mulchan's it up a like, bit. Who are you? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I might have to take some reps from you. So let's let's get some snapping in. But, yeah, my uh, dad went to Michigan. You might, you yeah. might know something <laughs> right. like that. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate the super chats that are rolling. Thank you so much, Leo and uh, Zachary Jarvis. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the Julio catch today on Buccaneers.com, they tweeted out a, a cool video of Julio Jones making just one of those Julio Jones plays. Just a, an acrobatic six foot three, 220 pound guy looking like a ballerina out there, gracefully going up and just snagging a ball o- over his head. And uh, just getting open with the speed. Uh, Julio Jones can make catches like that routinely during this football season. If he can get back to that pre-injury form, look out, man, because this offense is going to be just sick, just absolutely sick. Because if I'm not saying, listen, he's 33. I'm not saying he's going to be the Pro Bowl level Julio. But if this guy could be the 800-yard season Julio that would be a huge boon for this offense because you piece it all together with the numbers you're going to have a 100 yard receiver or two on a weekly basis and it could be any of those four guys Mike Evans Chris Godwin Julio Jones Russell Gage absolutely Scott and I think I I definitely would not classify this type of joint practice Julio Jones as anything like that he a really good practice or anything along those lines. What I will say though is, and let, let's understand, Julio signed the first day of training camp. Like he's still learning that playbook. So I wouldn't say he's coming along at a slower pace. I would just say that most of the plays that I've seen when I've been at training camp, most of the plays that he's made up until this point has been a lot more shorter underneath the routes, really just getting the timing down with Tom Brady and getting that chemistry going, which obviously is so important, especially for Tom Brady. That's like one of the things that he cares about more than anything else. And like one of his highlight plays in another practice was a great catch in the end zone by Blaine Gabbard. They were already in in the red zone. So what he went Blaine Gabbard, Blaine Train, chugga 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 choo choo. Oh yeah. Yeah, The Blaine Train. Um but today for Julio obligatory Blaine Gabbard picture. Yeah, of course. Bailey, you could talk about this because we were watching a lot of the wide receivers earlier on, and we'll get to Scotty Miller, Jalen Darden, and those guys in a minute. But the routes that Julio was running and the players that he was beating in a lot of these reps was a huge sign, especially given the Russell Gage news, where now you have three of your top four receivers on the shelf right now, and the guy that's available or was available for the whole practice has the biggest injury history out of all of them. Right, and I think it was the first play of one-on-ones where it was Julio Jones on Xavier Howard or Xavier yep. Howard on Julio Jones, and right off the bat, Julio Jones beat him, and I think he beat him two or three times in that period, and we saw a lot of those catches with Tom Brady, and they he was coming down, they were on the same page. It kind of took me back to yesterday's practice where um, it was, I think it was just kind of a lighter practice. They weren't um, working against the defense. It was just kind of one of those lighter drills. And Brady, I think it was one of those timing routes. Brady throws the ball. Julio's not where he's supposed to be. And Julio was very frustrated with himself. I could tell, yeah. you know, you could tell he kind of let out a grunt, like a frustrated yell. Yeah. And, you know, it's just one of those things like growing pains with your new quarterback. It's been, what, a week and a half, maybe um, less than 15 yeah. practices together. Um, but today, not, not, you know, not even that. And the reason why is because Julio, I mean, they're they're babying this guy in terms of giving him multiple right. veteran days. He just showed up. But, I mean, he's already had, what, Matt, uh, three veteran days 
in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah, something, something like that. that. A lot of times yeah, I mean, when Tomlin's he's, off, yeah, right, he's practicing like about every other day, which is fine. You don't need him in August, right? I, you don't need him right now, Scott. I later want, in the season. I one hundred percent agree. Like, let him be on a pitch count because we've yeah. seen before Julio he gets hurt and then he's not able to come back from it. And I don't know. You know, we weren't at Falcons training camp all the time. We weren't at Titans training camp except for when the Titans came to Tampa and he didn't participate in those. Like, Julio doesn't need to practice every single day at this point. We know what he can do talent-wise. It's always been about the health with him. And we've seen just in these matchups, Bailey, as you were just talking about, going up against Howard, who's considered a top-tier cornerback in this league and just at times bodying him when it came to, you know, making the big play or just getting – wide open. I think Julio, you talked about late in the season, he obviously has to come along and, and get that chemistry going like we talked about. I think Julio is going to be most important in September just because with Godwin, we don't exactly know when he's coming back. Mike, we right. feel pretty good about and we'll see what's up with Russell Gage. But I think that replacement for Chris Godwin is going to be huge that Julio is important for September. Then I'm fine yeah. again if you put him on a pitch count in like October and November, and then, all right, like, let's pick it up again in December. I'm not saying he's not going to do anything in those months, but, right. you know, maybe not be on the field as much, only have a certain amount of packages. But I really think September is going to be the crucial moment for, for Julio Jones, not even later in the season. Because if you have Chris Godwin fully healthy later in the season, you're fine with whatever Julio is going to give you because you're still right. going to have Mike, Russell Gage, and Chris Godwin. That's already really great right there. And then Julio's just the, you know, insurance policy or – you know, the other guy that we could bring in just if you want to pull out because he can with that talent. Right. And I think and it was that was the interesting thing, too, is is with the gauge injury like we we're talking about. If if he's not out for a long time, you can still kind of feel OK. You can breathe a sigh of relief and say you can go into the season and let Godwin, you know, take a week or two. I mean, Godwin's looking good. Godwin was out there yeah. still yeah. kind of off to the side uh, while they were running some 11 on 11, seven on sevens and stuff. He was catching passes in the end zone on another field with uh, Ryan Griffin. So just kind of getting his own work in. And Todd Bowles said on Tuesday, they're going to give him as much time as he need. They want him healthy for the long haul. So you kind of have, like you said, you have Julio Jones, that insurance policy. And Russell Gage is a guy that can step in. If you have those three ready, I think it gives Godwin more time. Suddenly, if you don't have uh, Gage and if Julio Jones picks up an injury, and, and it makes sense that they're giving him so many veteran days given his history, if you don't have those guys, then you suddenly kind of get into murkier territory. Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing, too, when you look at at the, the wide receiver position, and Julio Jones talked about this in his initial press conference. He said teams are going to play zone against us, right? There, there's just too yeah. many weapons out there that no team is going to sit there and take a chance on having that third cornerback or fourth cornerback if they're going to go dime be on the likes of a Russell Gage or Julio Jones, right? And certainly not Mike Evans. I mean, he he destroyed Jalen Ramsey in the playoff game on that 55-yard touchdown pass in a one-on-one man coverage situation. And he did. And Jalen Ramsey's maybe the best corner in the league, right? So, <laughs> so you're going to see a lot of zone coverage, and I think that's why the Buccaneers are practicing so many quick throws, right? To to take advantage of that, the deep vertical passing game is going to be more apparent when the Buccaneers are facing man coverage. I think that's where you look for those favorable matchups down the field. If teams aren't going to give the Buccaneers that, right? If you if they're going to play cover two, then you might have a more vertical shot down the seam, right? To either Godwin or to a tight end with that that Mike running down the middle or those those uh, uh, zone beaters on the outside in between the corner and the two deep safeties. 
So you might see some of those deeper shots, but I think you're going to see a little bit more passing underneath, quick throws, rhythmic throws to get the ball in the hands of these receivers because they're big like Mike and Julio and they're fast like Godwin and Gage and they can get some yards after the catch. The other thing too is when you go up against teams that have notoriously gotten to the Buccaneers with their pass rush, the Rams, the Saints, it doesn't do any good to try to get those big vertical shots down the field because those plays just take too long to develop. Historically, the Bucks' offensive line has not fared as well against the Saints and Rams. So why play into their hands? Try to beat them with a short passing game so you, you neutralize the Marcus Davenports and the Cameron Jordans and the Aaron Donalds and, and the, the Leonard Floyds, right? That, that, to me, makes a lot of sense. And that's what we're seeing is a lot of these quick passes to get the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. And maybe, you know what, without Ryan Jensen at center, yes, probably the, the better call for Byron Leffage to me. That, that's what I want to say as well, Scott, is that it's even more imperative now with Hainsey and with whoever's going to win that left guard spot. Because I think we're optimistic and we're predicting that the Bucs offensive line is still going to be very formidable. But obviously, it's not as good as it would be if Ryan Jensen was in there. So yeah. why take the risk? Because... You know, I got asked this on radio the other day. It was a good question. I was on Pat and Aaron's show. Shout out Pat and Aaron. And um, they said, you know, who is it more important to have a better season this year for the Bucs? Robert Hainsey or Joe Tryon Shayanka? I thought it was a good question, but at the end of the day, the answer is Robert Hainsey because if you yeah. can't block for Tom Brady, you're not going to be able to do anything on this offense. Where Joe Tryon Shayanka, obviously, if he has a great season, it's going to be leaps and bounds fantastic for the Bucks defense. But if he struggles or isn't getting to the quarterback, Todd Bowles can still conjure up things to get pressure or still have a stout defense, especially if that secondary is healthy. But yeah. if you can't pass block for Rob, uh, Tom Brady, Robert Hayne can't that. If left guard competition doesn't pan out the way that we all want it to or expect it to, or even Shaq Mason, who's a good player, you still have to build that chemistry and that continuity. If that's right. not fully built by early on in the season, yeah, you better get the damn ball out quick because Brady's not going to be able to stay back there for, for a long time. So right. I think patience is going to be key for Bucks fans watching the offense this year because they will take their shots. They will go vertical. But as you said, Scott, they're going to be opportunistic. Play. Yeah, yeah it's, it has have, to be opportunistic. Yeah, you got to take what the defense gives you. Brady's going to play that way. Leftwich is going to call it that way, and that's the right thing. You don't want to force passes in there uh, that that uh, just aren't there. Uh, Mark Fisher with a, a, a question and a donation. How is our tackling big problems at times last year? Bailey, how was the tackling today? They're not doing any tackling practice. No, they're not. They're not <laughs> but we're going to find out Saturday night, right? Right. We, we are, and I think we saw there was one live, live tackling period near the goal line. Uh, it was on Sunday, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um and it was what you would expect out of a live tackling period, you know, quote unquote live tackling in training camp. Um, you know, you're still trying to avoid injuries. So we don't really know yet. We'll see Saturday. Yeah. There were a couple of hits at practice today. If we want to transition to one, the other receivers, but two, the chippiness in practice really mm -hmm. got brought up a lot today. It started off early on with Tyler Johnson. And, you know, we had a lot of questions about Tyler Johnson. But he came into practice today with an attitude, and yeah. I liked it. I respected it. There yeah. was a, a play where it, it was like following the play, and Tyler Johnson is pushing with this my with this Dolphins uh, defensive back. I don't remember who the number was, so I don't want to say the wrong guy. And um, you know they're pushing each other back and forth, and then they stop. And Tyler Johnson 
like fakes like he's gonna hit him or do, do something like that so he kind of goes kind of just step to him, him right yeah and then the dolphins player yeah step to him the dolphins player like completely flinched like he thought he's gonna do something and then funny enough so i was like oh man like he just punked him i, I tweeted from the pewter report account two for flinching um <laughs> later on i was talking with greg almond from it greg from the uh the athletic and he was even a little bit closer to the play he said that tyler johnson punked out two miami dolphins players there was a second <laughs> there was a secondary flinch or whatever you want to call it later yeah. on in practice scotty miller made a catch over the middle and got you know hit pretty hard on the play and tyler johnson immediately pushed the defensive player that um that hit scotty miller on the play so shout yeah. out tyler johnson bringing some attitude not just settling for having a good day because he's a guy that's fighting right. for a roster spot so i like that he got in the face of everyone today you know we're yeah. not playing freaking patty cakes out there, you know. Yeah. Show some attitude, and he really did today. And I was, I, I really like that from Tyler Johnson. I agree, Bailey. Do you think tomorrow, right? Because it starts chippy, and then day two, right? Hot practice again, trying to get a little bit of revenge for maybe a rep that you lost against that guy. Does it get even more escalated tomorrow? I mean, I, I thought Nacho was on his best behavior. I thought right. for sure Nacho <laughs> was going to get into his somebody. Right, the Bucks right. defensive tackle, the reserve, uh, Raheem Nunez Roches. I kind of wonder if it will. At the same time, I wonder if the little bit of pushing and shoving, a little bit of chippiness today, the coaches will see that on film and say, because Todd Bowles said after practice, yeah, like, he did. that's Good the point, kind of man. stuff that we don't want to see. Right. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we're like, it, it was just, I think it was the hit off on um, the hit on Miller. And then shortly after that, after Johnson got uh, into it with the defender, he yeah. got hit by, I think it was yeah, by the did. same defender. <laughs> And he was hot after that. He was he Brady, walked off the not field. To cut, yeah, not to cut you off, Bailey, but Brady was yelling at the Dolphins too. Right. So right, yeah. Brady was, and then Johnson walked off the field, kind of slammed his helmet on the ground, yelled something, and it was it got kind of the, the chippiness escalated at the end of practice, especially. So yeah. you kind of wonder if that'll carry over, but you also kind of wonder if the coaches will say, "Hey, dial it back. We don't want any you know funny business out there. We've got a game on Saturday. Everybody needs to stay healthy. Don't do anything stupid." Yeah, I'm see, excited. I mean, it's that's what is so much fun about joint practices. Right. So I kind of want to see that level of intensity, but at yeah. the same time, you got to be smart about it. I was over there watching mostly the Bucks defense versus the Dolphins offense. I would give the the edge to the Bucks defense. I, I thought that they they were able to apply some pressure. And and the great thing, what what I really appreciated about the Dolphins, and of course they're not trying to help the Bucks out; they're just trying to run their offense. But this is a, a Mike McDaniel's offense where there's just so much stretch zone you know, tosses in the running game. And that was an area that the Bucks defense really struggled in last year, especially late in the season against the Falcons, the the Panthers at times with their running game, especially in that season finale game where they march right down the field, 75 yards on the Buccaneers in week 18, certainly the Jets game. Right. And so the Buccaneers did a much better job of defending the stretch zone runs in practice today. You could see the, the, the team speed. You could see Logan Hall flash out there. Joe Tryon Shoenka was his head wasn't swimming. He knew what to do, set the edge. And of course, Shaq Barrett was just Shaq Barrett. And Levante David really impressed me, man. He he looked and I tweeted this out. We've seen him now for three weeks. And I don't want to get too filled with hyperbole. And it's not like this guy is 23 anymore, right? He's, he's what, 32 now? Is that right? Levante's 32? Like 31? Early 30s. Well, anyways, he's not a rookie. He's not a second, third-year player. He's in his 30s. But he looks better than he did last year, faster than he did last year, and is just making more decisive plays. Heck, he's picked off Tom Brady twice in the red zone 
and that doesn't happen. I mean, Brady just doesn't throw picks in the red zone, even in practice much. But Levante David was everywhere today. Devin White was Johnny on the spot. Mike Edwards deflected a pass. Devin White tipped, uh, got the, the tipped pass, picked it off. So they got a, a turnover there. Carlton Davis did a great job on Tyreek Hill. So I think a lot of the fireworks were on the offensive side for the Buccaneers against the Dolphins' defense with those wide receivers just scorching the, the Dolphins' DBs. But the defense more than held their own against Miami's new-look offense. Oh, absolutely. I was watching a lot of that 7-on-7 uh, seven seven that, that went on early in practice, and, and Carlton yeah. Davis set the tone right away with the pass breakup, guarding Tyreek Hill. And Carlton spoke a lot uh, after practice about going up against Tyreek, who, you know, he played against two years ago when they when the Bucks played the Chiefs in the regular season and, yeah. of course, beat them in the Super Bowl. But, you know, this is what we want from Carlton Davis. Like, right. he wants to get in that all-pro corner category. This is great practice right now going up yeah. against Tyreek Hill, who is typically the speedy wide receivers, and Tyreek Hill is, like, even more than speedy. Right. Like, those are usually the wide receivers that Carlton struggles with. Yeah. So no, you're, the fact right. that he was able to, you know, really keep in stride with him, I thought was great. Later on, Carlton had an interception on Teddy Bridgewater. I don't believe he was guarding Tyreek Hill on the play. But nonetheless, getting the hands on the ball, that's yeah. what we've always talked about with Carlton Davis. Antoine Winfield Jr. had a pass breakup as well mm -hmm. on a pass from Tua. And there was another play, maybe what I was most impressed with during 7-on-7. Seven seven. It was a mishmash of like starters and, and backups. I know right. Devin White was in there. I can't remember if it was Levante or Grant Stewart, but they had another linebacker in there. Jamel Dean was in. Mm -hmm. And like Nolan Turner was in at safety and they had such good coverage. You know, they're allowing some underneath, but that's expected right. in seven on sevens. But on one play, they had such good coverage that Tua had no one open. He just held onto the ball the whole time and then started running and they blew the whistle. I thought yeah. that was one of the best plays out there <laughs> in seven on seven when the defense is at a disadvantage to begin with. But the fact right. that they were able to just, you know, stay with everyone. Um, I, it's obviously something we've gotten on Devin White's case about yeah. overall is coverage, but I thought coverage-wise, the defense played really well. Levante David had a stop uh, when they were doing kind of like their two-minute drill type of thing. The Dolphins mm -hmm. had a had a third down where they decided to run the ball. They could have got a first down and keep moving, but Levante was right in there, made the stop, and it forced the, the Dolphins to go kick a field goal, but they were having their own issues of getting right. on the field in time that they ended up getting a penalty, and that just started with Levante making a play. So yeah. I agree, yeah. Levante has really been the man. Yeah. And there was another play Carlton Davis made. I just want to shout this one out. I think – I don't remember if it was 7-on-7s seven sevens or 11-on-11s. 11 it was on field, too, and I was right there in the end zone where I saw Shaq Barrett kind of get in the backfield. Yeah, Tua, made, Tua, made, yeah. yeah Tua made a good – like he kind of adjusted and made a good throw for the most part, and really it was just the coverage by Carlton Davis where – the receiver caught the ball, but he had nowhere – he couldn't get his feet in mouth. He had nowhere to land. He caught it, right. was out of bounds, and it was just the perfect kind of – you know, it was a tight window throw, but Carlton Davis gave him no room to actually come down with the with the, re the reception with two feet in. Yeah, he certainly looked really good today, and I was a little surprised that they matched up Carlton Davis there just because I thought they might want to get a look at Sean Murphy Bunting or Jamel Dean just to see how – one of those other starting cornerbacks would match up against Hill just because we've seen Davis against Hill so much. But listen, the the Buccaneers defense, they were a bunch of pillaging pirates today, right? And that's kind of what pirates do. They pillage, they plunder. And if, folks, if, if you didn't know, we're going to tell you right now, we have an official beer of Peter Report. It's Pirate Republic yes, we out do. of the Nassau Bahamas. I mean, it's the perfect beer 
for pirates out there that want to live like a pirate, drink like a pirate, Pirate Republic. They have three beers that you can get in the Tampa Bay area, expanding across the state of Florida. The Long John Pilsner, the, the Golden Haze of Piracy, it's a Belgian wit. And then you've got the Take No Quarter IPA. Folks, I, I am not an IPA drinker. I'm not an IPA fan. I'm going to admit that right now. The folks at Pirate Republic said, try our IPA. You're going to like it. And <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the first IPA that I, I actually enjoy. It's not that I can just stomach it. I actually enjoy it. I'm going to crack open one right now. But as you can see, it packs a punch. The Take No Quarter, 7.2% ABV. And it's it's a full pint of beer, folks. This is a tall can. Their flagship IPA, Vienna and Caramel melt, uh, Malts, provide the rich backbone as Amarillo, Centennial, and Cascade hops come to the forefront. Citrus, pine, grapefruit flavors to taste dry hop, Pacific jade to add notes of blackberry and pepper for aroma. Uh, Pirate Republic, the official beer of Pewter Report. And, and uh, I'm going to crack one open right now. It's it's that good. Bailey rocking the shirt too. This is the IPA. That's a big can, right, folks? So yeah. I'm telling you, uh, if if you're an IPA drinker, if you're an IPA fan, and I'm not an IPA authority, but this is the beer for you because if I like it and I'm not an IPA guy, you're going to love it. Yeah, shout out to Pirate Republic, of course. Like perfect, perfect scenario with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that we cover, and Pirates. Uh, going on with that yeah. as well and, um, and i'll tell you where you can get it because i'm gonna have people say where can i kind of find this participating total wine and more abc liquors lucan's liquors and party liquors so those are some locations around there and uh, they're spreading all across the tampa area and across florida if you don't see pirate republic on tap at your favorite uh, watering hole or at your your liquor store Ask for it and, and 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 order it there, and we'll get some distributed to you because it's a fantastic beer. Love all three, but the IPA actually is really growing on me. It really is. It's a great beer. The people the official wanted, beer, beer report. Yes, it is. The people want to know where you could find Pirate Republic beer. Uh, other Bucks fans want to know where the Bucks front office found all of these wide receivers to make such a great competition. For camp, I mean, we kind of buried the lead here. I know we talked about Julio Jones, but yeah. Julio wasn't the only one making plays. Scotty Miller balled out. Jalen Darden arguably had the best practice among all the wide receivers. And Tyler Johnson, who we mentioned a little bit as well, uh, really did a great job uh, against the, the Dolphins' corners today. But, Bailey, I think we have to start with Jalen Darden because he was just cooking the DB out there. He was roasting him to the point where – like, Darden would make a catch and start celebrating, like, in front of the crowd. Sure, it helps. Like, sometimes you get caught up in it when, when the crowd is going wild for you. But, uh, again, all of these receivers, it's very critical in these uh, joint practices and the preseason game coming up this weekend uh, because there's a lot of talent, and not all of these players, including the undrafted free agents, are, are going to make this team, unfortunately, even though many of them are deserving. But Jalen Darden had our questions um, can he do it when the pads come on? Can he do it against other competition? And I think today was, uh, you know, he he checked the the box next to all the questions that many have had about him. Yeah, I think I I wrote in the Bucks Camp Insider today. It was either Julio Jones or Jalen Darden that was the MVP of the day. I mean, they both mm -hmm. had very good days. And Jalen Darden, and I, I 
got the DB's name and I knew how to say it and I completely am going to butcher it. Noah? And forgot it. Noah? Noah, and we're going to call him Iggy. Okay. Him Iggy yeah, because I like I it. I had it. We'll call him Iggy. There you go. He didn't have a good day against any Bucks receiver at all. But Jalen Darden, he beat him, I think it was in the, in the one-on-ones especially, he beat him three times in a row in different ways. One of them he kind of just made a move and then blew right by him down the sideline with a catch, and I think it was very early in the period. And then uh, I think the next rep it was – he kind of made like a he, – he stopped and just made him completely – he lost him completely. He lost him, and I think he slipped at that time, so he didn't come up with the catch on that one. But then the next one, he comes out again, makes a perfect move, loses the receiver, and gets it again. The crowd was absolutely loving it. Jalen Darden, we've talked about. I mean, he's had a really good camp so far, and I think today – Today, I know, yeah, I saw a lot of I saw a lot Dolphin, of Dolphins, Dolphins fans. Fan, yeah, Dolphins fans not very happy with Iggy. Yeah, right. I saw a lot of Dolphins fans uh, showing Iggy not not the most love, um, but no, it was it was a great day for Jalen Darden. He's made a great case for himself so far. A lot of the receivers having I mean, Scotty Miller was making plays today too. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Tyler Johnson already. He was making some plays in addition to kind of mixing it up with some of the Dolphins defenders. Um, it was yeah, it was a, a good day for the receivers, but Jalen Darden. And it, it, it's like kind of an embarrassment of riches for the Bucks. I mean, who yeah. do you at, at this point? I, I was thinking I was talking to you, Matt, uh, yesterday at practice. It was like none of these guys are having a bad camp. The right. only one you could say by default having a bad camp is Brashad Perriman because he can't get on the field yeah. and he's been out for a, like over a week now. But every guy, I mean, Devin Tompkins is making plays, Jared yeah. Stearns is making plays, and you're kind of hoping, yeah, yeah Kalen Geiger's making a lot of plays, and you kind of wonder, you know, who are you gonna who are you gonna keep on the roster, and how many of these guys can you stash on the practice squad? Yeah, even even Devin Tompkins was a guy that made a great play down the field. You know, a great like contested combat catch type of scenario. And like Tompkins is a guy that I think deserves to be on this team, but he I don't know because everything because <laughs> everyone else that is going on. The one guy that hasn't stood out as much, unfortunately, he is a friend of the program. That's Cyril Grayson Jr. He, um, you know, he caught a ball over the middle. He didn't catch a ball over the middle. He was wide open over the middle. He dropped one. There was another opportunity where he was um, on the sidelines. It was a diving play. And I understand like diving catches are not easy, but it was one of those. Like if you make it, it's like, Hey, great diving catch by right. Cyril Grayson Jr. But you don't have that, you know, you don't have that margin for error because of the competition that's going on there's still three preseason games to go so it's not like Cyril Grayson is a done deal he's not making this team but when you see the flashes of everyone else um it's tough to really be like well Cyril should make the team over this guy because he's not performing as much as a wide receiver now the huge caveat is obviously when it comes down to those last couple of roster spots it's all about special teams so we're going to see who's going to be the gunner we're going to see who's going to be the returner i know today they did a couple of kickoff drills which was still like more than we've really seen in a bucks training camp but rashad white was one of the returners and tompkins was the other returner uh for that situation so that's one of the things i'm going to keep my eye on for sure because we always hear special teams that's going to be the difference who can play special teams this yeah i've seen it too many years where you'll have a guy really flash in the preseason. And again, these the backups are going to be putting up the catches, the yards, the touchdowns, right? It's not going to be Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Julio Jones or leading this team in receptions and yards and, and catches in the preseason. It's going to be the undrafted free agents and some of the holdovers from last yeah. year. But sometimes you'll see that second or third string, or I shouldn't say that, the second or third leading receiver doesn't make the, the team. You're like, what in the world, right? We, yeah. we 
we saw that with with the the backup tight end Tanner Hudson, right? I mean, yeah. he would have great preseasons, putting up all these catches and yards against third string defenses, but he couldn't play special teams and he couldn't block, right? So that's why he he didn't make it this past season. And so you're going to see some surprises. You're going to see guys really flash on offense, but they're going to keep the guys that can help them on special teams, cover the punts, cover the kicks, et cetera. And, and Bailey, one of the things we've seen out of Rashad White, who might end up being the second running back behind Leonard Fournette, he might be the third or the fourth, depending on how this preseason plays out. But we're seeing him play an awful lot on special teams. If he's back there as a return guy, on punts, he's actually the personal protector. And so that that's a very important role. When you're out there, you're essentially the quarterback of that unit. You're calling all the protections. And for a rookie running back to be put in that position, that bodes well for, I think, Rashad White's development eventually in offense if they're willing to put the trust in him to be that guy on special teams. Well, we've heard it too, especially when he got drafted and then you know further into, into offseason camps and now in, in training camp is the biggest thing for him in terms of developing his pass protection is that he's willing. He, he'll put his head in there and he, he will do it. He wants to do it and he's, he's willing to get in there and, and do the dirty work. And so, yeah, I mean, he, it's big for them to put that trust in him to be a, a punt protector. And, you know, it's, it's good to have, he's going to have that role. And I think we're kind of seeing for, for all the excitement about Rashad White, we're kind of seeing him kind of come along slowly. And I think that's by mm-hmm. design. I think it's one of those things where they don't want to throw too much at him too quickly. And he's doing well so far with what they're throwing at him. And I think we'll only see more and more as time goes on. But yeah, the, that role on special teams and, you know, I think in his, his training camp diaries, he's talking about basically just, he wants to do whatever he can to be right. get on the field. And he just, he wants to contribute right yeah. away. And I think you're going to see him do exactly that. And I, yeah, it's kind of another thing. Yeah, I do think Rashad White has really been coming along. I think that goal line session that they had in practice a couple days ago mm-hmm. where White scored a couple of touchdowns was, I don't know, maybe because it was more physical, kind of like jarred something loose with them. I thought he was good today. I was watching a little bit of the the one-on-ones with the running backs against linebackers, and um, he had a nice move towards the end where he just you know did a little shimmy and was able yeah. to just get completely wide open. But the other guy I have to give a shout-out to in those drills – the best running back, it just specifically in that one session, was Kenyon Barner. And yeah. you talk about special teams, that's going to be a guy yeah. that is going to make the team. Well, the only way he's going to make the team is right. through special teams. And I'm not knocking Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't think right. Vaughn has really been like bad by any means. Yeah. But I've seen Kenyon Barner make more plays where I'm My like, job. hey, like, yeah, g- good yeah. for you, Kenyon Barner, for still <laughs> like making a name for yourself. And right. and Leonard Fournette was talking after practice today. He was like our entire running back room, we have all guys that could be a starter. And he mentioned that Barner has won like multiple Super Bowls and obviously has like done different things for this team. And obviously special yeah. team is going to be part of that. Shout out to Kenny on Barner because yeah. he looked really good in that. All in that the trail. backs look good. I matter of fact, I Bailey, I think Giovanni Bernard has had a fantastic camp. I mean, right. if Giovanni Bernard is the is the number two running back to start the season, like I'm fine with that because he has ran the ball well. He has caught the ball well. Uh, he's a veteran, right? He's got the trust of Tom Brady. There have been instances before those injuries. He had two big injuries last year, week three against the Rams. Actually, I think it, it was it was on his first touchdown as a Buccaneer, injured his knee, falling into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And then later in, in the year against the Saints game, I think it was the Saints game, it was a home game, 
there was some friendly fire where he kind of got plastered by his own team. So he's a player, though, in those spots, and they needed him against the Eagles when Leonard Fournette couldn't go. It was kind of the the, the Giovanni Bernard and the Keyshawn Vaughn show in that game, and it was the Eagles, too. They didn't have to, like, you know, really. They, they didn't need him, need him. But he came through, and I just think for the old man, he's got a spring in his step. I think that he wants to have a better season than he did last year. I think he came in last year under the impression, I'm going to be the third down back. Leonard Fournette says, not only am I going to put, put Ronald Jones on the bench, I'm going to put you on the bench. I'm going to be the, the three down back. But I think Giovanni Bernard is really kind of making a play for some playing time here. Yeah, and I think last year was, in a lot of ways, just unfortunate for him because he did. He yeah. felt like that that third down back, and I think people were pretty excited when the Bucks signed him. And because yeah. it was last offseason was really all about bringing back the Super Bowl team yeah. and, you know, making some some little upgrades here and there. And he was one of those. Right. Um, and Gio just kind of like you said, Leonard Fournette took that three down back role. Gio was kind of relegated to the bench. He also dealt with those injuries. So we didn't yeah. get like the full Giovanni Bernard last year. And I think coming into this training camp, um, there was kind of some talk about like, is he going to be like, I think someone and we did a, a Peter report roundtable with the surprise cuts who could mm-hmm. be a surprise cut. And I think someone might've picked Gio Bernard or at least mentioned yeah. him because there was a little bit of feeling like, is he going to be sticking around like Rashad white? There's a lot of buzz around him. Right. Keyshawn Vaughn, the, the staff is, you know, their trust in him has grown. Is he going to yeah. get a bigger role? And we've seen in training camp that, yeah, don't write off Gio Bernard because he's ready to contribute. And he's, he's out there with the spin moves. He's out there, you know, being shifty and being Giovanni Bernard. He looks great. Giovanni Bernard. <laughs> I can't do it. Today, but yeah. So it's always fun to hear Steven do that. He's a friend of the program. Yeah, fr- yeah, friend of the program, Stephen Jay. <laughs> Shout out to him. He was uh, he was at Bucks training camp last week. And, and, and here's the thing, too. I, I just real real quick and like a little side. Um, I I think people in the chat, at least some of our regulars that have seen uh, Bailey Adams on here before, as as Jim Hopper from Stranger Things, where he just just was rocking the mustache because I saw a comment about Giovanni Bernard's mustache. I think people want to see this gone and this stay. <laughs> right, people in the chat? You pewter people? Let's hear it. Do we want to have Hopper back? Because he didn't look like Hopper as much with the beard. So yeah. I'm just yeah. curious. I want to are see we what... putting are we putting the fate of my facial hair up to the chat right now? I think we should. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a risky move. But hey, we love to get the fans involved in the chat, and you know that's true. That's a great way. Just deciding all the Peter reporters' yeah. uh, facial hair. Another <laughs> thing on the on the running backs. I mean, obviously Leonard Fournette is going to be that that number one guy. He's going to get all the first reps. But Giovanni Bernard could end up being a sneaky, really good pick, especially if you're picking your team for best ball mania three and underdog fantasy guys there's still time to go and draft your team and the best place to play fantasy football this summer is with underdog fantasy their best ball mania three tournament has 10 million dollars in total prize money the best part is you draft your fantasy football team and that's it no waivers no trades no in-season management underdog gives you your best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year win it's set it and forget it. Don't worry about the bye weeks or anything like that. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code Pewter. That's four free entries into Best Bowl Mania 3. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Sign up for Underdog with the promo code Pewter. 
and draft your best ball mania three team today. That's underdog fancy promo code pewter. They also got some great pickums. Uh, you could do it now in baseball and you wait till football season. They obviously do it a lot as well uh, with basketball and hockey when those seasons get going again. And uh, you could do it with golf too. So there's many different sports that you could do the pick them if you don't want to do best ball mania three. I'd love so, to pick it. Uh, yeah. Pick I just have to do a better job with the pickums because I, I, I don't pick the right players, but I love the concept. It's fantastic. The, the app is fun to navigate. Um, I'll say this. Next week, we're going to be doing some pewter report, and we'll throw out our, our email addresses. And you know, I'll do some some fantasy football leagues. And Matt Bailey, JC, Josh, Casey, we'll we'll each do a couple of of the the underdog fantasy fantasy football um, leagues, and we'll do some drafts. We'll kind of we'll, we'll put out our email addresses, and we'll get maybe ten or twelve people. And if we have a lot of people want to do it then you know i'll do two or three or four or whatever but it's it's fun it's so fun to to draft the players and it's set it and forget it that that's the yep. beauty for me i i don't have the time covering the buccaneers to cover every other nfl team and players and keep track of them so i focus in on august i draft my teams i set it and forget it it's best ball so josh, josh i guess i, I yeah. guess you won you're bragging about yourself there josh capo uh, defend his title. Okay. All right. So that's good. Um, so I saw something here I want to get to. Um, somebody pay to get them to say what they heard about the gauge injury. So I guess we're looking for a super chat. And once we receive that super chat, we'll tell you all we know about the Russell Gage injury. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to hold you hostage for super chats. We want you to give super chats because you want to give super chats. And if you don't, that's fine, too. We're still going to provide you with the education, entertainment, information, as as you guys want about your, your favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Russell Gage, I think it's a hamstring tweak. The way he walked off the field, he wasn't limping. It wasn't like a severe strain or pull. It was a high injury, kind of like where the, the buttocks and the the uh, the hamstring uh, meet right there. It's, it's not like a lower hamstring injury where that's usually something that's it's a little bit more severe. I know because I had a hamstring injury. Uh, the non-athlete I am, I actually got a hamstring injury a couple of years ago from stretching. That's pretty sad. It's pretty pathetic. Mm-hmm. It's true. I actually ripped my hamstring stretching. I went for it, and <laughs> it didn't work out very well. So I think Russell Gage, certainly not going to play in this preseason game. I would suspect he's probably out in, you know, probably back in, in a, a week or two is my guess. Let's remember, Tom Brady's not playing in this preseason game either. So, like, I'm not saying it's unimportant for yeah. the starters to play, but, like, it's important for Russell Gage to get time with Tom Brady. And if Brady's not playing in the preseason game, that's fine, because then I don't think Russell Gage necessarily needs to either. I will say there was a time last week where Russell Gage was – it was one-on-ones, like, towards the end zone. Um, and Russell Gage ran around and – like fell a little bit and he was like kind of like shaken up a little bit after he was like shaking out yeah, his leg yeah. and everything like that. So this is like the second time that he's just running a typical route and then something went wrong. I'm not saying it's going to be a common trend for like the right. entire season, but just kind of like, damn, like we've seen this mm-hmm. happen before. I hope, uh, you know, I hope this isn't the case for like the whole season because right. he's going so, to be huge for this offense. Let me ask Bailey and Matt here. Cause I, again, was watching as a defensive guy, I watched the defense more than the offense because I hate offense. I prefer defense. <laughs> Having said that, 
how much playing time did Trask get today? How many throws did he get? It seemed like it was more Brady and Gabbert heavy and a little bit less Trask. And I would expect tomorrow probably a little bit more Trask. I know he's going to play a bunch in, in the actual preseason game, and Brady's not going to play. Brady's getting his work against the Dolphins in practice. I get that. But do you think we're going to see more Kyle Trask tomorrow than we did today? I think we might. I think that's exactly right, though, what you just said. Since Brady's not going to play, Blaine Gabbert's not going to play much on Saturday either, I wouldn't think. Which is a they're shame. Getting, they're getting their work in today, probably tomorrow, too. I think we maybe we'll see a little bit more of Trask, but Saturday is really going to be about Kyle Trask. I think like it's going to be largely his day. And I don't know if we'll see Ryan Griffin late or not, but it's going to be – I think the majority of the game we'll see Kyle Trask. So maybe that's why they're not going to have him out there – giving too many looks before the game. I'm not sure exactly what the yeah. thinking is behind that, but I think it's, yeah, more about get Tom his work, get Blaine his work during the week so that you can give Saturday to Kyle Trask. Yeah, we really didn't see a lot of Kyle Trask. It was all right. Brady and uh, a fair amount, uh, a good amount of, of Blaine Gabbert too. As it should be. Kyle Trask did participate in the one-on-ones. He was with the running backs and the tight ends. We talked about the wide receiver show. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, this isn't all his fault, but Kyle Trask did throw an interception in the one-on-one drills. He was looking for tight end J.J. Halland, and it was good coverage by the Dolphins receiver. Uh, Dolphins not very good. Halland's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the resident Trask apologist for today. <laughs> yeah, and, no, well, and not, that's, not be rotate, the that's the and, thing is it was it was good coverage by the defender, and it's right. one of those drills you kind of have to throw the ball anyway. Right. So it's not yes. totally on Kyle Trask. Could it have been a little bit of a better throw? Yeah, because there was another one where Giovanni, I believe it was Bernard. It was definitely a running back. And, you know, Trask could have thrown it to the outside a yeah. little bit better. Yeah. Um, but he didn't, so it got knocked down by, by the defender. It was very right. tight coverage again. But, you know, given the trend that Trask has been on, when you see him throw a pick and then throw another one that gets completely knocked down in a one-on-one drill that, again, most of the time benefits the offensive players, Yeah, it's not the best look. That's all I'll say. Right. Right. And I think, yeah, I mean, I I think it's one of those things where I imagine it's more because of this. I I think there's some kind of – something creeping into my mind, like, are they trying to protect him? I don't think that's the case. I think we'll see more of him tomorrow and we'll see more of him on Saturday. Um, Especially, I mean, you think about it, it was mostly Tom Brady. It was mostly Blaine Gabbert. Ryan Griffin, in in a way, felt like, kind of like in baseball, like a bullpen catcher. He was over off to the side, warming up with Chris Godwin, kind of just letting Godwin get his work in. And they were just like, yeah, you go over there, Ryan. You can can handle that. But yeah, yeah, Kyle Trask (laughs) definitely was kind of, We'll find something for you to do, Ryan. (laughs) And they always will. Um, But it it was, yeah, Trask was very, like, minimally in the rotation, I would say. Yeah, Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how much, you you know, he'll he'll be throwing tomorrow as well. I think they'll probably ramp him up a little bit. And and then, again, on Saturday, he'll have more of that. So we did have a question, and it was answered in in, in the chat. Who is number 83? He made a very good catch, too. Devin Tompkins. I thought in the one-on-ones, uh, I saw a replay of it because I, again, wasn't watching offense, hate offense. But he made a very good play, and I do like Devin Tompkins. I'd say I'd, I do like some offensive players. But uh, Tompkins is is a player that 
it, for those of you who might be Dolphins fans that are like looking for Bucks wide receivers to pilfer once roster cuts come down, or certainly Texans, my gosh, the Texans need some wide receivers, right? I mean, it's it's just so funny how the Bucks have an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position, and there's a couple teams in this league that really don't even have a legit number three receiver. They just don't. Well, that's what you, Scott. Yesterday, I think I said, where were all these guys when the Bucks had roster spots to fill and roster right. spots? To yes, hit? yeah. That's what, yeah, that's like, what it feels like. You know, they're signing Adam Humphreys as the number three receiver. Adam Humphreys wouldn't even be invited to camp this year, right? <laughs> I mean, Devin Tompkins, I think it's probably better than it. So the interesting thing is, just if you're new to the program, if you're not sure, the Buccaneers actually signed the number one and the number two wide receivers, statistically speaking, in college football last year. Jareth Stearns had 150 catches for almost 2,000 yards in 19 touchdowns. He is 5'9", kind of compactly built. Looks like a little bit of a Steve Smith guy, more quick than fast. Who was there today? Who was there today, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, but he's, he's a steady Eddie. He just kind of gets open, catches the ball, reminds me of a better version of Adam Humphreys. Then you got Devin Tompkins, who is kind of in that Jalen Darden vein where he's going to be quick and fast, and he's actually faster than Darden. This is a guy that runs a legit 4'3", 4'3", He's just... Super tiny, but he, he plays big. You both have seen him go up and make some catches at 5'7", 155 pounds. And, I mean, it's going to sound stupid, but he plays like he's 5'10", 185, 190, right, which is not a big receiver to begin with. But he plays bigger than his real small stature. This kid's got the heart of a lion and 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 the the feet of a cheetah. Not like a Tyree, Tyree Kill cheetah, but, <laughs> you know, like a jungle cat. We'll just say that. Well, yeah, isn't, Scotty, think, isn't Scotty Miller faster than Tyreek Hill anyway? That's what Scotty said. The, yeah, <laughs> that's what they say. We, we need a race tomorrow. Um, but I think the, the the catch that you're referencing, I'm pretty sure, was the one from Tompkins was a, like a high point catch. Like he went yes. up and got it. Yeah. And again, you say he's not a big guy, but he can right. go up and get the ball. And we've seen him do that throughout camp. It's one of those where you kind of hope, like the Bucks probably have to hope if he's not going to make the 53 – they kind of have to hope that, okay, he sticks around on the practice squad because I'm sure they don't want to lose him, especially – I think Todd Bowles seems to be a fan of him. He at least shouted him out in the offseason, and I don't think Tompkins has done anything uh, in training camp so far to kind of change Todd Bowles' mind for the for the worse. Yeah. Um, so it's a guy that I think you would hope at least could stick around on the practice squad. Yeah, last year at Utah State, he had a huge year. I mean, the year prior, granted, there was four games because of COVID, but he caught – 20 catches or 20 passes for 214 yards, a 10.7 yard pedestrian average and a touchdown. That's, that's really, you almost have to throw that out the window because it's just four games due to a COVID season. But last year, 2021 at Utah state as a senior, 102 catches for 1,704 yards. It was right behind Jared Stearns. Number two, as the, as the, the yards go 16.7 yard average and 10 touchdowns. So both of these rookies, these undrafted free agents, have been impressive. Again, it's all going to come down to special teams. Tompkins has been challenging Darden for the punt and kick return duties, and we'll see in the preseason how it all gets sorted out. Yeah, and we talked to Tompkins on Sunday, and he was talking both about uh, working in there as a punt return, but also kind of learning. I think, Matt, you were the one that asked the question of, you know, how are you feeling with the playbook? You know, you're a few weeks into camp. And he said he's got his position down. He wants to, you know, develop more at the other wide receiver positions too so that he can contribute in as many ways as possible and he's talking about how 
I think he was he played outside for most of his career, and then he moved into the slot in his senior year. It might have been vice versa. I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, but he's he's done both in the past, and that's what he's working toward doing. And he just really wants to get on the field in any way he can. Yeah, uh, I'm real quick. I'm going to address this from Alex Scott here. I got in late. You may have covered this. Any chance we could get your thoughts on the initial depth chart that oh, dropped question. in area? Yeah, very good question. I'll say this. I'm going to address it in SR's Fab Five on Friday morning. So it, 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 this is the initial depth chart. Don't read a whole bunch into it by by any stretch of the imagination. But I have some thoughts on that. I'm going to save them. You'll read them Friday morning in SR's Fab Five. Um, good stuff because I've got, I've got some good insight from the team and also just my own opinions about things. So that is coming up there. But again, don't read too much into it. I, I did see a question earlier about how Logan Hall fared. And I wanted to kind of touch on those those offense and defensive line one-on-ones. Logan Hall, I think, had, had a, a pretty decent showing. This is his first one-on-ones against somebody not in a Buccaneer uniform. And I, I thought we saw a really good swim move, which is kind of his patented move. I thought he he won some and he lost some against the Dolphins' offensive line. I would say the most impressive player by far was Shaq Barrett. He was just owning the Dolphins' left tackles and right tackles. Joe Charon Shoinka had some good reps. Akeem Hicks had some. Vita Vea. Uh, Nacho had a couple of good bull rushes. The player that really stood out to me, though, from the Buccaneers that struggled was Anthony Nelson. I didn't have Anthony Nelson winning any of his reps against either one of the Dolphins' right tackles. I don't know them because I don't cover the Dolphins, but I think Austin Jackson's one of them, and I'm not sure who the other backup is. But Anthony Nelson did not have a good day in those one-on-ones whatsoever. I would say he stood out from a, a bad perspective. Shaq Barrett, though, was just on fire, smoking people. And um, and so the one-on-ones, I would give the slight edge to the Buccaneers' defensive line versus the offensive line. But, again, it's, it's a one-on-one. You rush – the passer as as a fist, not five fingers, right? So uh, the, the pass rush works in conjunction. That's what makes Todd Bowles' scheme so successful is you got to win those one-on-ones, but he's going to bring pressure, and he's going to get home and find ways to to get to the quarterback, even if the guys don't win the one-on-ones. Sometimes when, when a, a player accounts for an offensive lineman uh, in a one-on-one situation, and even if he doesn't win, he's occupying that blocker to allow – either a, a nickel corner, a safety, an inside linebacker to come free on a blitz and get home. Yeah, uh, Todd Bowles is never one to to hesitate to blitz or, you know, send players after the quarterback. And something that you should never hesitate to do is check out a Muni Financial. At a Muni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amy Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Matt, that was a top-notch uh, segue right there to Amy Financial. You. Mark Cook would be proud. I'm just letting you, you know. So, yeah, get to Colorado. Why? Because it's a hell of a lot cooler than Tampa. It was a scorcher today. Even <laughs> the Florida teams, the Buccaneers and Dolphins, would agree that today was pretty hot and pretty humid. And that practice starting eight at uh, 10 o'clock rather than 8.30 made a, a lot of a difference uh, for the Buccaneers. I think that's why we saw some, some cramping and some injuries. Um, but that aside, the reason why we want to talk about immunity financial is not about the temperature. It's, 
It's it's about your financial situation. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Folks, I'm not just a pitch man for Immunity Financial. I, I legitimately have most of my financial assets with Immunity Financial because I trust them. I'm asking you to do what I did. Give them a call. It's a free, no obligation consultation. 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immunity.com. Yeah, guys, we covered a lot of stuff in today's practice. I'm trying to rack my brain and think if there was like anything else that we didn't really get to. I mean, there's the kicker competition um, for Gallus. Sure, JC Allen would love to hear about Jose Borgalis and how he fared today in practice. I didn't watch it, but yeah, yeah. I, I saw a little bit of it. I was like, eh, this is like JC's thing. <laughs> That's his yeah. guy. So uh, he, he's was. really into it. Running inside doing the Russell Gage injury story and what hopefully, you know, was not going to be a serious injury for Robert Hansey. Thankfully it was just cramps, but I spent several, you know, times uh, in, in, during the practice going there. K dot and Ben Leeper wants to know about K dot. Did he make a big play today? I, I was watching the defense very, when this went on. Right. Yeah. He made a very, very good diving catch from Tom Brady. And I know we saw Tom Brady and him link up a couple times on Sunday for touchdowns. Um, and he caught another one from, he caught three touchdowns on Sunday, two from Tom Brady and one from Blaine Gabbert. Uh, and, and I think it was in, I want to say seven on sevens today. Over the middle, Otten goes over the middle and stretches out and makes this this nice diving catch. The, the, you know, the crowd loved it. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a really good play for him. Yeah, we talked to K-Dotten yesterday in, in a press conference. He talked about getting that trust and that rapport from Tom Brady. He's like, it's important with all the quarterbacks, but it's more important with Tom Brady. And that's that's certainly the case. And and I think that that's some benefit, Matt, if, of when Cam Brate has that veteran day off, right? And when Kyle Rudolph has a day off, yeah. that that's really the opportunity for, for Kay Dotton to get out there and say, hey, Tom, look at me, right? It, because Brady's naturally going to go towards the veterans, the guys that he has that rapport with. And Cam Brate has been a reliable red zone weapon, not just for Brady, but for Jameis Winston and other quarterbacks before him. So uh, that's that's the, the, the case there. I wanted to address this point right here. I did not watch much of the offense outside of a couple of 11 on 11 reps when the teams got together. I did see at times the Dolphins did get some pressure on Brady. And so it wasn't like a clean, you know, whitewash of the Bucks offense just destroying the Dolphins defense. I don't, I don't think that was the case at all. But how do you think the interior offensive line held up today? Again, Shaq Mason starting right guard, Robert Hainsey starting center. And today it was Nick Leverett as the starting left guard. What did you see, Bailey? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see a ton, you know, from from that standpoint. I saw there were times where Shaq Mason struggled. There were times where I think Leverett struggled. I thought Robert Hainsey had a good day. Before the before the cramps, and I, I think it was – I wrote it in the Insider. I was like, it's a shame that, you know, this kind of overshadowed his day because I thought he held up pretty well. I thought he had a pretty good practice. Um, but, yeah, I think there was, there was at times, you know, I think you're going to lose some reps. I think Shaq Mason lost a few reps, but – it was kind of your standard practice, I would say. I wouldn't say it was like a thing to be worried about. I wouldn't say one side dominated. Yeah, I wouldn't say one side dominated the other. Yeah. Um, Matt, uh, Joel Elrican says, will Donovan Smith's daughter come for someone's job at Peter Report? I'm thinking maybe J.C. Allen. He might be the weak link when it comes to press conferences because he's so bullish with his questions, et cetera. And I'm just kidding. J.C.'s one of the best. <laughs> Don, Donnie's daughter coming 
to his presser was wholesome. That was, I was great. That was it a was. great moment. It was. And she just, she saw daddy and just started like walking up right yeah. towards He's in the middle talking to the press. And, and all of a sudden here she comes, he just props her up and, and puts her in front of the mic. And uh, we are looking to hire her. Now Donovan uh, is acting as her agent and the asking price is a little steep right now. What I want to see from her is better mastery of the English language. I don't think the spelling is, is quite there yet. So she's got a little bit to go in terms of, of spelling and all of that. But I, I think yeah. handling the pressure of a press conference, I think she she nailed that uh, yesterday pretty perfectly. Yeah, she totally, um, you know, she can totally vibe with everyone that's at the press conference. She understands how these type of things go. Uh, so she has a lot of potential. However, I will totally trust being in charge of like Peter Report's Twitter account or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and folks, if you wanted to join the over 50,000 Twitter followers we have now, thanks to you, Peter, people out there, we appreciate you. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Peter Report. It's real simple. That's all you have to do. At Peter Report, you can find us on any three of those social media channels. We also love the fact that you come to our YouTube channel. We're closing in on 9,000 subscribers. Now, when they say subscribers, I almost prefer the term follower instead because subscribers, it makes you think, well, how much does this cost to subscribe? It doesn't cost you a damn thing. It's free. Just hit the subscribe button. It's free. You can also hit the notifications button. That lets you know when we go live with these Peter Report podcasts. That's also free. And so go to YouTube. Type in Pewter Report TV, and that's our channel. So we're almost at 9,000. We want to be at 10,000 right around the start of the season. So we appreciate all you Pewter people that have that have uh, decided to, to join the ranks of the growing numbers of Pewter Report subscribers. We invite you to do so. I'm going to let you know right now, this, this IPA is legit. I'm about <laughs> done with it, and I'm in a very happy place right now. <laughs> this, this, this is a fantastic IPA. And it's also 7.2%. There's, there's no joke. Pirate Republic, <laughs> folks. The official beer, Peter Report. That is right. Shout out, Pirate Republic. Uh, one other thing I just do want to give a shout out to is it's been awesome the past couple practices running into some fans in the crowd. Um, yes. you know, giving a shout out to Peter Report, yelling for yes. us. Um, want to say what's up to Jeremy. I was speaking with Jeremy over the weekend. Uh, he came over and said hello. We chatted for a little bit. Our guy, Leighton. Was in the uh, was in the yeah, crowd today. Heard, I, I, absolutely, on the other yeah. day. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, hi to him. Uh, shout out, Geo, Miami Sports Fanatic Show. I did his show last night. Um, yeah. He obviously is a Dolphins fan, but thank you very much for watching today. I also want to wish a happy birthday to <laughs> want to wish a happy birthday to uh, fan of Pewter Report and the Pewter Report podcast. Also, my best friend Steve Mahoney. Happy Steve. birthday, Steve. Awesome. Thank you. Glad the Mets scored 10 runs for you today. That was awesome. So uh, so happy birthday to you, my man. Very cool. Um, yes, th that's the great thing about having an official beer sponsor is we drink Celsius in the morning to get us going and keep us going and power us through these practices. Then when it's time to wind down for the evening, you know, it's Pirate Republic time. So uh, it's a great one-two punch uh, morning and, and uh, an afternoon and sometimes evening. But, uh, yes, we do get a drink on the job because we have an official beer. Scott's going to go get a nap in after this, I think. That's that's exactly <laughs> right, Bailey. It's almost <laughs> there. Yeah. Well, uh, just want to say thanks again to everyone for watching and listening to this show. Guys, uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. You know, the Dolphins-Bucks practice tomorrow on Thursday. 
Exactly. So we'll be right Can't here wait. again, right back at it, 4 p.m. tomorrow to recap another day of joint practices between, yeah, between uh, the, the Bucks and the Dolphins. But the cool thing is right now, everyone watching this and listening to this is a part of history because this has been the best podcast in the history of PeterReport.com. This has been the greatest Peter Report podcast that we've ever done. So it's awesome that you could all be a part of it. I'm so grateful to really Scott and Bailey that we are sharing this moment together yeah. of the in greatest order. podcast uh, in the history of the show. So for Scott Reynolds, for Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And we will see you tomorrow for another, another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Out.